This is Deacon Mary, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. I'm not sure if I'm concluding or not, but we're continuing. I haven't decided if I'm going to preach on stewardship next week or not yet. But, well, I mean, look, you can fix this right now. Now, <laughs> no. a couple weeks ago, we started with what is tithing, what is biblical generosity. Last week, Tom Phillips did a great, great job talking about how we as Christians should be the most generous people because God has given us so very much. It was a perfect, perfect text that he took. And set us up for today, because today I want to talk about how money is, in fact, God's medicine in our life. And now, oftentimes, when we think about money, we don't think about it as medicine. We think about it as uh, the root of evil, which is not exactly what the Bible says. But instead, I want to say that money is a gift to us that God wants to use in us to do some pretty amazing things. So to get to that point, I want to start with a little story. Uh, Several years ago, Uh, Marissa and I went to a mall in South Florida called the Sawgrass Mall. Maybe you know it. It's an incredibly long mall. I think, well, at least at the time, it was the longest mall in the United States, which I don't know what that distinction means, but whatever. Super long mall. I think it was over a mile that you could walk in this uh, mall, and it was one of these outlet malls. Now, the story about outlet malls, if you've never been, is they have two things going for them. They either, their prices are low because they either have last year's, last whatever style, or they have what are called bees or seconds. Now, a bee or a second is some clothing or some product that has some kind of imperfection on it, some kind of blemish. It's not perfect enough to be an A, to be a first, and so it's still pretty good, not bad, still possible that you could use it, so they put it in these outlet stores, and you can go and buy it there. So we were there, and we went, and I needed some jeans, and we went into uh, the Levi's store, and I found a pair of jeans that fit me, that looked pretty good, and were incredibly cheap, and when I tried them on, they were really good until I noticed that the inseam on the right leg, as it went down, it moved, and when it got to the knee, it was over the knee. And it ended up, the seam did, over the shoe. But I thought, okay, well, no big deal. I'll tug it, and I'll put it back. And it worked. I tugged it, and it put it back. The seam was where it should be. The pants looked good. Everything looked right. I could certainly afford them. I, you know, it was the only pair I could get, so whatever. That's good. And uh, so it comes time for me to wear these jeans. I put them on. They, everything's good. They look good. I tug them over. Seam's in the right place until... I sit down, and then the seam shifts, and suddenly, out of nowhere, everything is twisted and shifting, and my whole leg feels like it's stuck in one of those Chinese torture devices, you know, you put your fingers in there, my leg is like being constricted, I have no idea what's happening, I'm constantly pulling on it, remember these jeans, honey? You do, they were awful, weren't they, yes. What's even more weird is I kept them for a while, but whatever, you know, like... Not a slave to fashion. That's me. So, um, 
could not figure out what was going on with these jeans, and it was pretty obvious. The seam was wrong, and it was never going to get right no matter how much I wanted it to. My pants look a lot like our giving and our generosity. We think it's all fine. That, hey, it's good. It's working. It's, it's good enough. Until we sit down, until we look at that seam, until we actually examine it in the light of what God is talking to us about giving and about generosity, and then we realize, oh man, this is uncomfortable. This doesn't feel right anymore. But then, good news, we get up and we leave here. And we get up back in our life and we get back to our plan, whatever our plan is, and we think, okay, 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 it's fine. It's what, it's all right. And then we begin to pray or... We have a quiet time, begin to think about what God's plan is for generosity in our lives. And and then here comes that feeling again, oh man, this doesn't feel right. What's happened here is this, our giving is a B, more or less. We have a second tier giving principle in our lives. And that's not what the Bible asks. What What God says is, I want your first fruits. I want your best, not your second tiers, not your B's. But then, of course, we stand up again. We remind him of how little money we have, and a pension goes away, and we forget about it, and we just keep walking on. And we never quite figure out what the problem is here. Here's the problem. We've got to quit pretending that be giving, that be generosity actually is God's A plan. Because it's not. It's just not his plan A. And yet we are the ones who are constantly surprised when we give at a B level and it doesn't work and it feels weird and we can't quite figure why we're all twisted up. We can't figure out why aren't we getting financially ahead Why does my money seem to lead me and not the other way around? Why do I hate all these stewardship sermons? I can tell you why. B-level giving. B-level understanding of generosity and God's plan. We're twisted and uncomfortable because we're confused. Or we just don't want to hear anymore about what God's plan of giving is in our life. So here's some good news that I want to give to you. In fact, I think it's great news and that... I think that money is God's medicine in our life. Now, I want for you to look along with me at our second reading today. This is uh, from Paul's second letter to Timothy, most often thought to be Paul's last letter that he wrote. I want to look at that first paragraph, and I want you to read along with me, because so many times when we're hearing the readings come at us, we don't see what it actually says. And so I want you to hear this again. As for you... Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, which of course was Paul, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work, This easily applies to stewardship, to giving, to generosity. You have heard, you have thought about this, you have considered it. The question is, do you want to be obedient? Or do you want to continue to do what's so often done? 
What I love about this text also is that there are promises implicit in it. Promises that God will give us all that we need spiritually. All that you need emotionally for life. All that you're going to need relationally in life for your friendships. And he will also give all that you need financially. God is saying to us here in 2 Timothy, I've got this. Trust me with all that you have. Read the word. Trust me. I'm going to care for you in all of that. And yet we still believe in the bees. How do I know? Well, if only to look at the average yearly gift here at Grace. It's about 1900 bucks. Not even close to what a tithe would be. And so I know that we believe in the bees. I know that we don't trust God to fully execute his word in our lives. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I think you're greedy because I don't. I don't think you're hoarding all of God's wealth. But I do know that more than learning to trust God for 100% of what he's given us, we have learned to trust life's hard lessons. We've learned that the unpredictable, the unexpected, is always right around the corner. Isn't that not the lesson of Hurricane Matthew of last week? We've learned that because the unexpected, because the uncontrollable are always right here, what if plagues us? What if another hurricane comes? What if my car breaks down again? What if I chip a tooth and I need some dental work? What if my children fail to unload the car and leave a gallon of milk in the back and it explodes, making my car smell like vomit for years on end? This guy right here. What if happens all the time? And so then we say to God, well, now what, God? You're going to fix that? You're going to stick, fix my stinky car? Sure, I believe in your salvation. Super grateful for that. But what if wins again? Wins all the time, actually. So here's what happens if what if wins over God's medicine, that is money. What happens if we believe what if more than God? The first is we give very little or nothing at all because... We want to hoard God's medicine. We want to hoard his money. Like it's something that we can save and have for that time just in case. Better yet, a lot of us think that money and finances and giving doesn't apply to us because there's only finite resources. There are only so much to have. And so since we only have so much, God can't provide more because he can provide a lot of things, but just not money. And so we can't be generous, and we then yet again put on our bee pair of pants. In doing so, we actually are neglecting God's medicine. We've forgotten what he does. We want him to make us well, but we don't want him to do that through giving or generosity. And so we don't take the medicine. We don't do what he told us to do. How dumb is that? So, if we don't give, we don't experience his provision. Maybe, maybe we don't understand that, God, that money is God's medicine and we actually fear those what-ifs. We fear what might be coming down the pike. And so we miss this message that God wants to give us 
everything that he has, that he wants to teach us and bless us and grow us and stretch us and overwhelm us with him and his provision. We miss it because we're afraid that if we did what God said, it wouldn't be enough. But did you know that fear and faith don't work together? Did you know that fear has never actually created more faith at all? Fear has never blessed someone. Fear has never been a part of God's plan. Not one day, not one minute, not one second. And yet, some of us love fear. We won't say that, but our giving does. Our generosity says that we love fear. I want to tell you who taught me the very most about this idea of not letting fear overcome my giving. And it was actually my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is an amazing, amazing giver. She gives without any thought to it. If someone has needs, she just gives. And she keeps no record of what she gives. She just keeps giving. And her giving has inspired me. It's faith-filled. It is absolutely reckless. I'm just going to say that. But it is awesome. She understands that money is God's medicine, and so she has not let it consume her with fear. So sometimes we neglect the medicine. Other times we fear the medicine. And finally, whether we've neglected it or fear it, sometimes we just forget it. We forget that God has lots of plans for us. We forget to take this medicine And we get tied up in our own life. We forget to be generous, to give. Life circumstances cause us to forget about God's plan in our life. And so we don't take any medicine at all. And we get sick and corrupt, diseased and decayed. And we wonder why. Because we're wearing those dumb second-hand jeans that are cutting off the circulation to our legs to our brain. But maybe there's a better way. Maybe it's through giving and being generous. Now, I was talking about this with Micah recently, about tithing and what that meant, and he had a pretty great story and experience with it, so I've asked him to come and share. So, Micah, want to come to the lectern? Morning. Morning. So, um, I started tithing. Um, It was the beginning of this summer, and the reason I'd started tithing then was I'd heard my whole life from Dad, you know, you got to tithe 10%, and he, you know, made all the really valid arguments. God gave you all this, so you got to give back 10%. Made a lot of sense. I never had money, though, so it wasn't a problem. <laughs> so, until this summer, I got a couple of jobs because I was saving for a laptop. I was saving up for a MacBook Pro. Very exciting. Super nice. My family had, a couple of my family members have their own. It was exciting. And so I was, like, going over to my dad one day. I was showing him, like, look, Dad, I have $200 in my bank account. It's amazing. And, you know, like, it's more money I've ever seen. And he was like, well, are you going to be tithing? So I started tithing, and it wasn't easy until... So I did that for several weeks, and it was all working out until one day I finally had a big moment in my money-making career. I had made $1,000. I came home that day, and... I was very grumpy about it. And Dad asked me why I was so upset. I said, well, I made $1,000. That means I have to tithe 10%. I'm going to be back at 900. 
I'm going to be losing weeks here. I'm never going to get past this. That was when my dad went, Son, I have some good news for you. (laughs) He did his weird finger point he does. He's a fan of that, apparently. Turns out you're supposed to be tithing 10% of your income rather than your whole savings account. No one had Every clarif- single week, he was tithing 10%. N- no one had clarified this point to me, so money was hard to make. And it turned out I could have been had my laptop several weeks earlier. But, so that was how I learned how tithing works. Since then, it has gotten better. Um, I've gotten a little bit better, more efficient at it, making more money. Um, but it's still not as easy as it could be, mostly because I forget. So if you ever see me at the end of the sermon, you're going to see me in the back there, and now I'm going to be trying to like pack up super fast, run out the door, hop over the fence. It's because I'm rushing over to the bank because I forgot to withdraw cash. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Micah. See, it, isn't it good news that God's not asking for 10% of your income every single week? Like, don't you feel rich now? You're like, wow, only 10% when I get paid. That's easy. Compared to what Micah was doing, he was on some very rigorous giving schedule. <laughs> the question that everybody is asking when I told that story is, well, I mean, you, you gave him a pass for the next several weeks, right? And I was like, that's not my decision. <laughs> I am not God. So he ain't got to figure that out. But the, the beauty of this, all of this, is that giving, generosity, it is good, good medicine. And Grace, we need to take it again. Amen. We are so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.